What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transform. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the privilege of being your host. Today, we're going to talk about biblical clarity on anxiety. What does the Bible have to say about anxiety? And when do you know that perhaps your concerns have gone too far? Now, each of us seem to have our own proclivities where we are drawn to just letting go, kind of burying our head in the sand, not caring enough. I laughingly at times in counseling or in the classroom, I'll refer to these types of individuals, those of us that just let go and hide from our problems. We have a tendency to be like a beach bum for Jesus. What do I mean by beach bum for Jesus? Just mean like kind of carefree, doesn't matter. Like I'm just hanging out today. Like I just want to have a good time today. That's That's our beach bum for Jesus. And at times, for those of us that struggle with anxiety, we envy a beach bum for Jesus type of person because we think, man, like it must be nice to not have a care in the world, or it must be nice to feel no pressure from your job, from your family, from your landlord. That must be really nice. But yet the beach bum for Jesus isn't being faithful in certain ways. And we could say that there is a sense in which they should probably care more than what they do. If you were to talk to me today and you were to come and say, hey, you know what, Dr. Gifford, tell me a little bit about your plan for paying off your house. And I just said to you, you know what, that's a great question. I don't really have a plan for paying off my house. I just kind of pay here whenever I have a little bit of money and then we'll go out to eat some months and just use that money for going out to eat. You would think to yourself like, uh, that doesn't seem like the best plan. Uh, like I, I think that plan might actually come back to bite you years from now. You see, because what you sense about that is that I'm not exhibiting the concern and the care that I should be exhibiting. But let's re-engineer that circumstance. And you come to me and you say, you know, Dr. Gifford, let's talk about paying off your house. What's that look like for you? And I say, well, I, I actually worry about that every day. Every morning I wake up and I check the APR on the principle of my loan. And, uh, I, you know, I, I scrap together every extra nickel I can to throw at my house. And I'm just so, so concerned, maybe even worried. Will I be able to own my home completely in the future? In that moment, too, you would think, well, like I, something doesn't seem right about that either. Like it, it seems like you care too much. You're overly concerned about the principle of your mortgage that your plan to pay off your house is now moving you into what seems to be an, an undue concern, an over-concern. What you're sensing are the different tensions of care, concern, and anxiety. And so as we start the discussion for biblical clarity on anxiety, I want to start by creating really three categories. So in the Bible, semantically, you're going to see that there is a, the same word that is used in three different ways to describe anxiety, but on two of those occasions, it is seen as something that's positive or commendable. Now, Jesus will explicitly condemn anxiety. That's matter of fact. That's Matthew 6, and we'll get to that. Yet, Paul is going to speak of that same term, merimnao, that same term as being care and concern on other occasions. 
So we know that there is a semantic range for anxiety, meaning that we know that there is a bad anxiety and there's good care and good concern. So if you're sitting down somewhere as you're listening to this episode, I would encourage you to grab your Bible and to write down these three overarching categories. And the first one is going to be care. Paul is going to describe, if you'd grab your Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, he's going to describe that it's actually important to care. And this is what prevents us from becoming the beach bum, free spirit for Jesus type, where it's like, I don't really have a care in the world. How are you going to pay off your mortgage, Dr. Gifford? No idea. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Maybe the bank will take my home back. I'm not sure. You see, there is something irresponsible about that because in the Bible, I am actually to care for certain things. If you go to 1 Corinthians 12, you'll recall that this is the section of Scripture where Paul is addressing a disorderly church. And in this disorderly church, he is reminding them of their place with each other. You see, it seems like the church was wanting to find those elite individuals and to exalt them and say, hey, this is the person that's our teacher. This is Apollos. This is Paul. We're with them. They're the rock star. We're the follower of the superhero. But Paul says that's not the way the body of Christ is designed. That yes, there are more prominent members like an eye, but the hand is equally as necessary in the body of Christ. Embedded in this, Paul is going to use the same word that Jesus uses for anxiety, and Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25. Let's look at that. Actually, I'm going to start halfway through verse 24 by way of context. Paul writing to the Corinthians says, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Okay, so this is the point that Paul's getting at, that there is a diversity of gifts in the body. That's the point of the body of Christ, that not every person has the same gift and is the same member. But God has done that in such a way that there would be no division, that the entire body, like your human body, the entire body would understand its dependency on each other and that the members may have the same care for one another. That term care is what's translated as anxiety when Jesus uses it in Matthew chapter 6. But Paul says, I want you to have care for each other. I want you to have concern. That's why your translators have most likely translated this something like care or concern for one another. They haven't translated this as, I want you to be anxious for each other. Because when we hear anxiety, as we should, we immediately go to, that's something that's wrong. That's something that I need to repent of. This is something that Jesus condemns. Yes, that's true. But here Paul says that I do want you to care for each other. So biblically speaking, to have clarity on anxiety, the first thing that we have to do is see that care is something that's appropriate. Now, Paul's going to use another term, and that is going to be concern. So go over to Philippians chapter 2. Remember, Philippians is a book written to a church that were really supportive of Paul's ministry. And in chapter 1 and chapter 4, he speaks of them as being the only partners with him So as Paul writes from his Roman imprisonment, he reminds them of how awesome they've been and how supportive they've been along the way. And he sends people to go back to visit this church. So he's in Rome, they're in Philippi, and he's going to send some people to come check in on them. Timothy is going to be one of those brothers that he's going to send. And listen to what he says about Timothy, Philippians 2, verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. 
Paul commends Timothy and is excited about Timothy coming back to visit the Philippians. But he says this about Timothy, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Epaphroditus is a Philippian. Epaphroditus is the one that would get sick trying to deliver the message to Paul, according to the last part of chapter 2. But Paul says of Timothy that he's going to be genuinely concerned. That term, concerned, that's translated in the English as concern, is the same word for anxiety that's used in Matthew 6 by Jesus. So our second category is that we would say there is a godly form of concern that you can have. I think this is easy to conceptualize if you've been near to someone who is sick. Think of a family member or a dear friend, and you genuinely are concerned for them. Maybe they're hospitalized and you're checking in on them. Maybe they're at home and you swing by and you just see how they're doing, bring them some soup, text them and see what's today like, how you feeling today. That type of concern that you have on behalf of friends and family is warranted and it's godly. So we wouldn't say, hey, look, you're being a little anxious about this. You're being worrisome about your friend. Like you need to just kind of leave them alone and God's in control. And when they're better, they're better if they get better at all. See, there is a godly form of care and concern. So to talk about anxiety, we have to establish these two categories as well. We have to be able to say that you should be a person who is caring. You should be a person who does exhibit concern for others. And those in and of themselves are not sinful. That's not anxiety. Those are right and those are good. And if you're looking for places in Scripture to find that, it's a Philippians 2 or it's a 1 Corinthians 12 that commend care and concern as being warranted. And yet, anxiety is the culmination. It's the continuation of care and concern, where anxiety is that we are unduly concerned. So semantically, to define this term, all we're saying is that anxiety is almost the extreme form of concern. It's where I am too concerned. I am too caring about this. Now, When I say too caring, it doesn't seem to connote the same idea of anxiety. It's like, well, how can a person be too caring, Dr. Gifford? Well, what what I mean and what the scripture is teaching is that you can be too caring when you are now worried about a person unnecessarily. So your care and your concern for your friend who is sick is different from being worried about them, from being genuinely anxious about them. So when I say genuine anxiety, that is the overstepping of your care and your concern. It's where you are too concerned in a way that is now ungodly because you aren't just concerned for their welfare, yet you're entrusting their welfare to the Lord. You are now anxious about their welfare. That's where we have to begin to draw the line. So we're going to take a short commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to start with Matthew 6 and explain what Jesus says about the culmination of concern and care in anxiety. We'll be right back. Quick question. How much do you actually know about the Masters University and everything they have to offer? Because they have quite a bit that you may not even know about. They offer accredited undergrad, master's, and doctoral degrees in biblical counseling. Plus, they have over 150 additional programs. You can find out more about their in-person or online programs by spending some time at masters.edu. You can also drop into the campus for a visit. I know they'd love to spend the day with you introducing you to the Masters University. Hello, this is Dr. Dale Johnson. If you struggle with an issue, any emotional issue, we would like to help you. 
There are thousands of certified biblical counselors at biblicalcounseling.com. Please visit our site and find a biblical counselor who will walk alongside you to help you overcome your struggles. We would be honored. We all want unity and harmony with those around us, but it can often seem like conflict and disagreement are unavoidable. Ken Sand will take you beyond resolving conflicts to true reconciliation. Available now at transformed.org. You know, sometimes we find ourselves struggling with some of the very same issues that Dr. Gifford is addressing here on the Transform Podcast. And if you have a specific question you would like him to address, you can email him at greg at transformed.org. Here's the deal. Though you can ask him any question you'd like to ask, be pithy and also include your name, though you can request that he call you anonymous if he uses your question on the show. Send your questions now to Dr. Gifford at greg at transformed.org. Hello, I'm Dr. Dale Johnson, Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. And we've partnered with Gospel Partners Media to bring you this groundbreaking new series, Transform. If you've benefited from watching this series, would you please consider supporting our ministry financially so we can continue to bring you this series and others like it? Thank you. Welcome back to Transform. The Bible would tell us that OCD is not a disorder. It is the fruit of wrong believing and wrong theology. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. We've been talking about a biblical perspective of anxiety. And now I want to turn your attention to Matthew chapter 6. The last part of this episode, I described that there are three categories that we must establish when discussing anxiety. Biblically speaking, we have care, we have concern, and we have anxiety. It would not be wise and or even practical of us to just be individuals who say, you know what, God's got it. Whatever God wants to do, it's up to him. So we never save, we never plan, we never do maintenance on our cars because you know what, God's just in control. That individual who practices that is failing to demonstrate care and concern in a way that is right and good. Now, I want you to see that the culmination of undue concern, the continuation where I let my concern go too far, is anxiety. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, turn over there. If you're driving, don't turn over there. Just listen. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 
For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is important to maintain. Jesus clearly rebukes anxiety as sin. He clearly rebukes it as wrong. And in the middle of this passage, he equates it to a faith issue. That's the end of verse 30. Buzzing around in biblical counseling realms are mental health disorders or mental illnesses. There are those that are called generalized anxiety disorder or social anxiety, where individuals chronically suffer with anxiety. That would be GAD or individuals that struggle with social context can be diagnosed with social anxiety. What you have to maintain about a temptation toward anxiety is that anxiety is a mild form of atheism. Anxiety is a mild form of atheism. I'll forever be indebted to my undergraduate professor, Dr. Kevin Carson, who taught me that phrase. He said, Greg, when you do not trust the Lord, you are a functional atheist. Anxiety is a functional form of atheism. That was such a meaningful statement to me because there are times in my life when I'm tempted towards worry and anxiety, and I have to be reminded that this is a faith issue. This isn't a, just a disorder. This isn't a physiological issue of my body. Anxiety is connected to my trust and faith in the Lord. And Jesus clearly identifies anxiety as being wrong and sinful. Other passages are going to teach this in similar ways. 1 Peter 5. Peter's going to say that you're to cast your cares onto the Lord because he cares for you. In Philippians 4, Paul is going to say that you're to be anxious for nothing. So it's clear in Scripture that care and concern are legitimate, warranted, and necessary. We want to care for other members in the body of Christ. We want to care. We want to plan. We want to be wise. We want to leave legacies in retirement, etc. Yes, all of those are warranted and good. And yet, if we're not careful— Our concerns can be too great, and now they're undue, and we're talking about anxiety. Anxiety is the extreme form of care and concern when your cares have gone too far. And Jesus says, do not be anxious. Verse 34, don't be anxious about the future. Tomorrow has enough trouble for itself. Be faithful today. So we clearly have to say that in God's wisdom, through the inspiration of Scripture and the teaching of Jesus, we know that anxiety is wrong. So here is the million-dollar question. How do I know that my concern is right and warranted? It's a bleeding into anxiety that is sinful. Growing up in Savannah, Georgia, we lived just across the street from a cul-de-sac. The street that we lived on was a thoroughfare. There were cars that would come blazing through that neighborhood, 40 miles an hour, 45 miles an hour. And think as a young child, that's actually quite fast and quite scary. And so my parents were always very hesitant as a child for me to go out front and to play. And they would often say, hey, look, you guys need to go across the street and you need to play on the cul-de-sac. I'd like you to think of anxiety as a cul-de-sac. Anxiety is where what takes place is all my cares, all my concerns, they terminate on me. How am I going to fix it? What am I going to do about it? Okay, I need to save more. I need to work harder. I need to get up earlier. I need to sleep less. 
I can do this. And what takes place is over time, I realize I can't do this and I'm worn down. I'm burdened. I'm losing sleep. I'm losing weight. I can lose hair even by being too anxious. The reality is that anxiety is a cul-de-sac because what takes place is all the cares and concerns, they stop with me and I have to be the fixer of all of them. I find that those of us that struggle with anxiety often struggle with the desire to be in control. We got to fix it. We got to do it. The desire to be in control is the cul-de-sac. It's where I say, I got to do this. There's no functional thought of the Lord. And of course, formally, we would say, I know God's in control. Formally, I know that prayer is important and the scripture is true, but functionally, I'm in control. When I'm trying to discern the difference between a concern and anxiety, I have to be able to evaluate, are all of these cares and concerns terminating with me? And that's why I'm worried. That's why I'm hesitant. That's why I'm oversaving. That's why I'm losing sleep. That's why now I'm being rude and unkind in my words. It's because all these cares and concerns are mounting on me. But if this care and concern is a thoroughfare, it's a thoroughfare of cares and concerns to me, to the Lord. I know that most likely I'm not engaging in sinful anxiety, but rather what I'm doing is these cares and concerns are cares and concerns. They're legitimate. I do care about my mortgage, and yet I take those cares and concerns to the Lord. Let's go to one last passage. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. This is such a powerful analogy. It's like speaking of a stone. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, verse number 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Imagine that you're rolling a stone, a stone big enough that it takes an effort, And the call here is to roll those cares and concerns onto the Lord because he cares for you. I know that this is not unbiblical and ungodly anxiety whenever I'm taking my cares and concerns to the Lord. I'm entrusting him to be the fixer. I know that he has to be my helper. I know that ultimately I can't do this and he is the good, wise, all-powerful God who can do this. When that's taking place, I am legitimately engaging in cares and concerns. But when I'm terminating all of my cares and concerns on myself, when this is a cul-de-sac and I'm stuck and I got to fix it and I got to figure it out and I got to work harder. Look, we're talking about anxiety and that is sin. That is wrong. As you're evaluating the difference in your own life, there are two errors that you could make. One would be to legitimize your anxiety. Or you say, you know what? I do have to do everything. If I don't do it, no one else is going to do it for me. I do have to work extra, sleep less. I have to grind in this season of life. And there's a sense in which you may need to work hard, but you do recognize that everything that you have is a gift from the Lord. What do you have that you did not receive, 1 Corinthians 4? And if you received it, then why do you boast? None of us can say that it's up to me. None of us can say that. To be most theologically accurate, we have to say God uses my effort, but ultimately he's the one in control. He's the one in charge. So I work hard knowing that it's up to God to bless those efforts. So one error is to legitimize my anxiety and say it is up to me. 
Another error is to go the opposite and just not care. Some of us, when the pressure turns up, our tendency is to hide, to escape, to distract ourselves. We go into entertainment, we go into vacation mode, we go into hobby mode, and we just don't want to think about it. That is illegitimate because we are called to express godly care and concern. So we must maintain this tension. The cares and concerns of our life that are right and good, we bring to the Lord, and that prevents them from being unbiblical, ungodly anxiety. Next episode, I'm going to walk us through biblical remedies for anxiety. How do I deal with anxiety when it actually comes to us? So I hope you'll tune in then, but let me pray for us before we're done for today. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to have your word that informs what is right and what is good. Each of us have pressures in our life that tempt us to anxiety, and yet we must learn to trust you actively, that we must choose to trust you. Give each of us grace in the capacities that we're serving in right now and working in and ministering in to do that, to see that we must bring our cares and concerns to you. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.